Welcome once again to another edition of the Brattlecast. This is Jordan Rich along with Ken Gloss, the owner-operator of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston. And as you may hear, it might be evident, uh, we are not together as we normally are, still separated by the pandemic restrictions, but we're getting it done nonetheless. Ken, how are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. I mean, I wish this would all be over. I wish it would go away. Uh, Sort of hoping that fairly soon we'll be able to get open to some extent and get out to people's houses and do appraisals and figure out what is all the protocols to make things safe and for everybody involved. But I'm very fortunate in that probably I'm doing okay but uh, all of us, I think, are getting cabin fever and wanting to get back open. And But we all want to do it safely. That's so right. That's, that's the real key. It, it is a challenge, but it will be one that we'll be up for as we have to. Uh, today, uh, this is fascinating because we all, those of us of a certain age, <laughs> still have photo albums with the little stickums in the albums and the little little corner creases. Uh, that are fading away a little bit, but that still mean a lot to us. And there's a term you offer up for today's podcast called vernacular photos. And I'd love to have you explain that, first of all. Well, what it is, is a lot of photographs that people collect that are bought and sold are photographs that were taken by prominent professional photographers, either as works of art or in advertising, and they were done very specifically as some sort of professional photograph. But then the quote vernacular photographs are sort of the things that we all took with our Kodak cameras or whatever cameras we had. And, you know, just family photos, photos of the street, uh, maybe at the Little League game, uh, maybe of friends and family. And those actually are starting to become collectible. Now, there are some things. They, they need to be a little bit interesting, maybe showing some scene uh, of that people were active in, maybe a 4th of July celebration, maybe just a main street of a store where you happen to have gone shopping. And one of the things that I've always found interesting about those photographs, and like I say, now they're starting to become collectible, is it's the most interesting parts many times are not what the photographer was taking the picture of. I mean, they might have been taking it of of a sibling, a relative, uh, someone they were dating, but we were just saying, but maybe the old T, the L down Washington Street was in the background. And so you see that, or maybe they're standing in front of a store window and you look in the store window and you see the products that are there, you see the prices sometimes on the products. And if you get back 40, 50, 70, 100 years and Kodak was there, you know, gee, you could buy a hat for $2. You could get a baseball glove for two or three. Uh, But in a way, those type of photographs tell you a tremendous amount about what the life was like, the fashion that people were wearing. Uh, you get an old picture of a baseball game oh. and every, everybody's in a sport coat and tie and hat. Straw hats, and, straw and, hats, and, yeah. yeah. And, and so a lot of that, you, the people who took those photographs just took them for granted that that's the way it was. Or maybe it's a street that you live on 
in this, you see a picture from 100 years ago, 75, 50 years ago, of somebody who maybe was just in Boston, let's say, because that's where I am, shopping, and you look down the street and you see Jordan Marsh, Filene's, uh, in those stores that are long gone. And so what brings up the interest is not what the subject of the photograph at the time was, but what you look at and see now is the history. And I've, these are starting to become collectible. Now, usually they're more collectible if there's some sort of theme or subject, maybe boats or trains or something else of that type uh, that people were interested in, or maybe uh, something in the uh, Little League. You know, maybe someone was a coach at a Little League game and you see what the kids or the parents were wearing, uh, see what their uniforms look like. Maybe even the advertising out in the home run area, which I never hit, never hit a home run that far. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I always thought would be interesting, and this sort of gets away from the business of books a little, but, it, but when you're dealing with books and old and rare photographs, um, the history that it shows. And I always thought an interesting thing would be for like a high school AP history class or something like that, to sometime do a, an item uh, with, the, uh, with the photos and have the seniors or the people look at it right, and right. say, what are you learning? What is this telling you about the 20s, the 30s, the 50s, the 60s, the 80s? By what's seen in the background? And then I thought that in addition to that would be a great study. I mean, it would be fascinating. I know I do it just when I see them. But what would be fascinating then is then to tell the kids to go out and take pictures like that and how you would show 2020. Now, mm. 2019 might be tremendously different than 2020 now. I believe uh, so. But it's, yeah. not, but it's not even the people who would take a picture of people in masks. But I'm sure there's a lot of other background things going on with the pandemic that you wouldn't think of necessarily, but- Well, you know, this reminds me a lot of what we've talked about when you brought in some of those classic life magazines and look magazines, and we, we have fun examining the ads because that tells you a lot about culture. So in a lot of these photos, you'll see billboards, you'll see advertising, and as you say, with prices and, and products that are so interesting from a historical perspective. Well, exactly. or. You know, what, what you would see if someone was taking a picture of, of nowadays with people wearing masks and keeping this, but you might notice in the background, there's no people that, you know, a normally crowded day. But I always thought, not just with the pandemic, because a lot of people will be taking pictures specifically to show that and to show how life has changed, but a lot of people just snapping pictures, and nowadays there are millions of them is there will be things in the background that you don't think of, that you wouldn't even be aware of, that somebody looking at it 10, 20, 30 years from now. Now, the other thing about a project like this um, is that 25 years ago, doing it would be a lot more difficult because you'd have to take pictures, develop the pictures, uh, and it was a much harder process. Now with cell phones, you could just snap, mm -hmm. snap, snap. But it's also what I tell people is sometimes the photo albums, and there are many, many, many of them in people's houses, attics, cellars, basements, 
if they're not things that they're relating to, that they don't really realize even sometimes who the people are in it, or what the photographs were taken for, uh, you know, that maybe have come down through family members that people uh, don't know. If they're an interesting photo, that might be, become very interesting and valuable. Uh, the one of the ones, the best ones I saw of that, and again, it was taken with a little bit of uh, foresight, uh, but they weren't art photos by any means. There was a, a woman who had an, a whole album. Uh, her relative in the late 20s had been in Germany, mm. and she took uh, pictures of all the graffiti, all of the anti-Semitic graffiti in Germany at the time. Now that's one that I think would be worth a fortune nowadays. Because I've, I've got one that I wanted to ask you about, and I have it somewhere in my vast array of stuff. My mother, who's 90, had an uncle who lived into his late 90s, and he was a, a photographer, amateur photographer, but he once gave me, when I was a little tiny kid, a picture that I still have to this day, and I didn't think much of it until I got older. It was a picture taken in Washington, D.C. of uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt in an open limousine, in an open car, you know, uh, no roof, with a Secret Service agent on each running board and him waving. And it was an actual, you know, probably 15, 20 feet away. And I never thought much of it. I didn't even know who FDR was when I was five years old. But uh, I've always thought about that, that here was a living history. And the idea that, you know, uh, it wasn't until Kennedy's assassination that we started to enclose our leaders <laughs> in fully armored tanks. But I, I just thought of that when you were mentioning that. Well, well that's, that's exactly the same type of thing. The, uh, when they, when they a lot of presidential elections, when they did the whistle stops yes. and the trains, I mean, they were just out shaking hands among the crowd and people in a person taking a picture of that time. Yes, they were taking a picture of the president. But what might be almost as interesting now is to see how the crowd formed, to see how what security there was, to to see what type of signs they were, how they made the signs. So that's where I think that this type of photo collecting is fascinating. And uh, even seeing, you know, the the old color and how that is when they first started coming out in the late 50s with color photo photographs uh and what people were taking pictures of sure and we don't want to we don't want to be city snobs here too you're talking about people who could live in farmland and rural places too it's it's not about uh, skyscrapers or non-skyscrapers right well, absolutely anything absolutely right? absolutely because Nowadays, when I picture a farm, I picture huge machinery, you know, sort of big corporate, neat, these wonderful places. You see some of the pictures, uh, again, some of these were taken by professional photographers, but a lot would, I've seen snapshots. Farms weren't all that glorious looking. They were hard scrabble uh, places to work. Uh, Maybe you saw some of the old equipment in front of the barn that was obviously scrapped and rusting. Uh, maybe what a chicken coop looked like then. You know, it might not have been, you know, a uh, a condo for, for chicken, but you know, <laughs> sort of falling. The roof was wearing sure. down. Um, 
maybe even the clothes that people were wearing, what the farm gear or the, the tools they were using. So a lot of the history was inadvertently taken uh, through these photos. And when I see these albums now, I used to not pay much attention to them. Then I started paying attention uh, and some of them have become quite collectible. And it's it's funny you should say that because I, I remind myself of uh, my relatives looking at them from 50, 60 years ago and what they, the style of eyeglasses they were wearing are now in again. The retro thing is back or the beehive hairdos or or the way we wear suits and ties. I mean, it's, you're right. It's, or, or even if you had somebody speaking at a microphone, what the microphone was. Oh, gosh, that's, you're talking my, speakers or, my language. You know, what the lighting in the back. So those photos tell a lot they're starting to be collectible but also sort of a secret thing if i ever had to stop doing the book business completely i always thought maybe you could teach a course in looking at the old photographs seeing what kids could learn from them that they don't even know they could learn and then going out and taking pictures and saying what do you want to sort of show in the background for your future which would actually make them awfully thinking off a lot and could be a lot of fun for a project and in the best part is you would never know when i look at one of those pictures what i pick out from it might be totally different than what someone else does and what someone thinks is important for the future could be totally different Indeed. and when you get young kids looking and talking and i've talked with a few of them about it you're amazed by how they look at the world compared to how you look at the world and uh, how those sometimes can merge and meet or go off in different directions. Well, these photo albums are sort I, of a key I, like. I would recommend putting on an old Jim Croce record, Photographs and Memories, and, uh, you know, stoking up the uh, the coffee pot and getting getting into it. It sounds like a lot of fun. And actually, uh, it, we started out by me having you just talk about vernacular photos. It sounds very high tech and all that, but yeah. you brought it down to a level that we can all dig and understand. I think it's a fabulous idea. And when you're going through houses, attics, basements, cellars, you never know what you're going to find, which is what I do all the time. And that's a many times finding the history that you don't think you're going to find. And that's a lot of the fun. Brattlebookshop.com, of course, is the website. You can connect with Ken and ask about the podcast, what topics that you'd like us to cover, and certainly any questions, uh, even though it's still in what we call lockdown mode officially, uh, you're still there, you're still active. Uh, I'm still there. I'm here every day answering phones, answering emails, getting a few orders out, and just waiting to go. I mean, we've got <laughs> a whole group of people who want us to come out to their houses. We have to figure out a protocol for that, but that's the fun. It's the hunt. The hunt. And maybe the hunt some continues. of these photographs will be part of it. All right. Well, you've been uh, here to hear the Brattle cast, which will continue no matter what. And we thank you for that, Ken. Have a great day. And uh, folks, continue to stay well. And we'll be seeing you next time on another edition of the Brattle cast.